0: to set goals right and you just have to trust in the process because i think action and pursuit you set these goals strong fulfilling goals that you feel inside in your source you just have to take action
1: hi everyone welcome to this episode of the immigrant doctor podcast i have with me frank DeBellis. you know we are a part of a a mastermind and uh i sort of connected with frank over there and his story really, really resonated with me i figured this guy has gone through so much in his life and he's successful in whatever he's doing right now. And I figured that would be something very important to share with people, especially, you know, who are struggling to get started or who are just generally struggling in life, especially with finances and stuff. And so I wanted to bring him on. You know, his background is in the hospitality industry. He has worked in the NYC restaurant scene for over 20 years. He's held many positions, you know, starting from the line cook, server, bartender, manager, and then he's been an owner also uh, of a restaurant and a bar. Uh, eventually, he transitioned to the wine industry, but all throughout his career, he's been investing in, in real estate, but you know, we'll hear more about his story and his journey from him. So I want to welcome Frank on. Hi, Frank. Welcome to the show. Hey,
0: Avishkar. Thank you. So happy to be here. I appreciate you making the time for me.
1: No, I, I think your story when we were talking, it was so inspiring that I figured it would be important to share that. So, so let's dive into this. You know, I, I know a bit about what you had mentioned that even, even when you got started, like you had a very hard start in real estate, not like, you know, going through the ed- education, you were just kind of thrown in the trenches. And I just want to talk more about, uh, more about that part of it as we begin, like when you were, you know, you had inherited some properties and that they were clearly failing. So let's, let's start there. Um, how, what, what exactly was going on over there for you?
0: Yeah, so... Um So I got into real estate around 2008. Um, Needless to say, prior to that time, you know, I kind of dipped my feet into it a little bit A, a year or two earlier. My family had medical properties in the Bronx, New York. And I went to the management company in like 2007 with my mom. And I saw this guy in his office and he had all these pictures of golf courses and stuff that he takes his staff to and what have you. And I said to him, at that time I was a server, um... I said, how do you get to where you are? How do you get to that seat? And he goes, all right, well, you want to do this? He gave me the number of a, uh, a sales agency, uh, a realty um, uh, company in New York City. He goes, go see these guys. So just to back up a little bit, so before I actually dove into taking over the family properties, I actually met the management company at the time, and he made an introduction to me to the, um, a real estate company that I started working at during the day. And I was working in restaurants at night, so I was cold calling people during the day for this real estate agency, and then I was um, working at restaurants at night. So to take you to 2008, where we got involved, my—I mean, I could tell, talk about my story a little bit later. Um, but my mother had been running our family uh, pro- portfolio, which in, in, uh, consisted of medical buildings in the Bronx. Now, my mother, God bless her—I mean, she she did what she could. She she took she she multiplied our properties by threefold by the time me and my sister got involved. However, she had been over-leveraging these properties. She'd been taking a lot of money out, not putting money back in, um, to the point where we were basically going to be foreclosed on. Um, there was a million four mortgage on the properties. Um, my parents were facing bankruptcy. Um, my dad lost, my stepdad lost all his money in the stock market, so on and so forth. Wow. Similar situations with a lot of people went through that time with the financial hardships. Now, my sister and I, at that time, I'm in my early 20s. My sister was just finishing up law school. I was, uh, as I said, commercial real estate, making cold calls in the morning, and then going to be a um, a bartender at night. We, we were thrown into this. We said, my mom said, "Listen, I don't know what I'm doing. We're going to lose these buildings." So my sister said, "All right, let's get involved." You know, so we went in to these properties. I walked into these properties of Vishkar, and there were hoarder, I mean, there were hoarders living there. I had entire families living in these medical buildings in the Bronx. So needless to say, it was a, um, we had to roll up our sleeves and we had to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons and we did the best we (laughs) could. And, uh, we, we wound up selling those properties and essentially then that really got us started into the real estate world, um, of multifamilies.
1: Yeah. And, um, How did these experiences, obviously, you know, you were working on the sales side of real estate, not necessarily the management side of it. So how did these, uh, you know, these experiences shape your view of real estate per se or investing in real estate per se?
0: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, one thing I would say I was fortunate enough during the sales side was although I made no deals, I was cold calling. I did surround myself with people who were successful who had been through cycles in the market and who had seen the ups and downs and were living a certain lifestyle that I wanted to obtain. You know, they always say you got to surround yourself with people that you want to be like or like-minded people at least. And these were just the people that I was interacting with. The principal of the company, he was a huge landlord. He kind of took me under his wing considering our situation. And it kind of made me driven on what could be accomplished in, in, through real estate as a means of income. Um, And he really helped us out through the process of unloading these properties, rolling that into a 1031, helping find um, undervalued assets in New York City at that time, and kind of just kind of held my hand a little bit as I worked those properties. And, you know, I kind of learned the hard way, but the perception I learned from these people was they had what I wanted. It was obtainable. You know, you don't have to necessarily be the smartest person in the room or go to Harvard to get... To get these things it's just it's a work ethic it's about pursuit of dreams and you know just surrounding yourself with with like-minded people which which i did
1: i you know i love the fact that um you sort of found a mentor in the guy who was uh, you know who was uh, who was pretty much the owner or whatever of your of your company and i think uh, a lot of times what happens is when we get these opportunities uh, we get scared and we don't want to move forward because it's like an unknown that we're getting into but I think you pushed beyond that to kind of get under his wing, be a little uncomfortable to learn these new skills, and then kind of, you know, work your way to becoming, now coming into full-time into real estate.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so true. I mean, the reality is, I mean, and this is more, less about real estate and more just about life in general, and I know you can attest to this. Doubt, doubt is a crippling, crippling emotion that a lot of us go through. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, fear of doubt, makes us avoid certain situations. You know, and one thing I've learned is successful people, they get on unco- they are okay with being uncomfortable. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so that entails taking on those those challenges that where they're fear based or there's doubt involved because there's a possibility that you might fail. And I think one great way to do that is, you know, look for mentors. Look for people who have been through it. You know, some people oh they don't want to spend a time with me. That's not true. They will extend an olive branch. Because they've known what what it's been like. And somebody extended the, the olive branch for them in their journey and so on and so forth. So I think um, acknowledging fear is, is natural, but also going straight through it. Instead of running away from the storm, sometimes you have to go run right through the storm because you'll get through the storm quicker by running through it than trying to run away from it um, because you'll be spending more time in it. Um, I mean, those are the little things that I've learned along the way. It's just super important to... Acknowledge emotions like fear and doubt, but just take that for what it's worth and go full full speed ahead.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know the other perspective of this is also the fact that when you're in that stressful, fearful situation, it's very easy to kind of get overwhelmed with the entire situation and not being able to look at the picture overall or the larger picture of what may be a few years ahead, right? Um, and it becomes very important at that point in time to kind of zoom out and look at the overall picture and see where you're headed and where you are right now. And not only that, actually, you know, I wanna point out there was this really nice book that I went through called The Gap and the Gain. Uh, basically talks about looking back from where you started and, uh, you know, where you are now. Um, you know, of course, that that was sort of pertaining to more of entrepreneurship. But I think, I think all of this ties together because, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're doing whatever you're doing, I think there are certain struggles that you're gonna face and there are certain phases of growth that you're going to have during those struggles but understanding that you've grown from wherever you've come and understanding what path you have is so crucial to your overall success in life
0: yeah i couldn't agree more i mean uh, i mean there's 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 a couple there's a couple schools on this but i'm definitely in, in, a, in line with what you're saying you know where i mean you have to set goals right and sometimes you have to set big goals and you just have to trust in the process because i think action and pursuit you set these goals strong fulfilling goals that you feel inside in your source um you just have to take action and it's funny how things kind of unfold as long as you're taking action and you're being consistent pursuit is so powerful pursuit is so powerful and i was just listening to grant cardone's uh uh the audiobook of 10x And he says investors really only focus. Successful investors only have two things they focus on: it's the present and the future, right? But I, you know, sometimes you have to. I agree with that, but to a certain extent, sometimes you do have to look in the past to see how far you've come in a such a short period of time. Because you know, you say, "Oh, I haven't transformed. I'm not getting there." Well, we'll take a minute, take a pause, and look back and look where you have come, um, and just take inventory where 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 you've been and where you are and where you're heading. But yeah, it's 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 super important to really be. Take action and and be in pursuit of what those things that you want to do. Um, I I can't underscore, I can't underplay that enough that it's so, so important to, to take action in these things.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, even in your career, like you transitioned from uh, being uh, a restaurateur, basically owning your you know a restaurant and bar, and then now you you moved into wine industry, and then you kind of pivoted to real estate. I'm sure there's there there was some sense to this because you completely changed industries. Even though you know you were kind of dabbling in real estate for a while, uh, I'm just curious how what skill sets did you bring from your experiences, you know, from from the restaurant world and from the wine world into real estate.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's crazy, I mean, I'm very, I'm very adamant and I strongly believe in that there's a high, you know, a universal force or law or whatever, what you want to call it, you know, I got into restaurants because I love the hospitality industry and I love making people feel special. It's something I'm really good at is creating an environment for people where they can feel special. I would always tell my staff when I had my own restaurants that, you know, we want to create this window, this two hour window where these people are on like a vacation, where we, you know, we give them what they need before they even know that they need it. And we want to set up an environment where they really could, could um, enjoy themselves and kind of step away from the stresses that they're, they're going to deal with once they walk out that door. And then I go into the wine sales. You know, I was in wine, I've was been in wine sales for eight years. And, you know, it's in New York City. It's a cutthroat industry. There's, I don't know, over 200 wine companies that are selling to these restaurants. And we generally sell to top restaurants. And what separates you from, from the the rest of them? I mean, wine for the most part is, is, is all the same stuff. It's your relationship with the individual, and I find that the best thing to do is, it's not to be heard. It's to listen to other people. People are going to relate to you when you hear their story, and you can relate to them, and you, you inquire about what's going on in their life. Um, so, how's your kids? Where are you going? You know, um, what you you know, where do you see? Where have you been? Um, things along those lines. So I take the hospitality side. I take creating an environment for individuals where I provide them with a service that they didn't even know they need, making them better, giving them a, a better experience. And then I take the sales side, not only closing a deal but also listening to people, listening to what they need. You know, yes, we're going to provide a, you know tangible goods and whatnot or a return on your investment. When we're talking about real estate, but listening to what their needs are, okay, and being relatable. Relat- relatability is super strong. You know, everyone's going to talk about, oh, we're going to give you a 20 percent, uh, you know, IRR, six percent cash flow. It's all the same stuff. I mean, for the most part, obviously, at the end of the day, the finances are going to be the finances. It's what's going to get you that deal, that interaction, or that partnership is relatability, a level of trust. And then, you know, transparency, you have to be transparent. You have to be vulnerable. Don't sit up here and say that you got all the answers. At least that's my belief, that you have to be vulnerable. These people relate and they right. can acknowledge vulnerability because you know we're all human at the end of the day.
1: All right, guys, if you haven't done already, please go check out my free video series on how to do due diligence on operators and on deals before investing in them. It's called Real Estate Rx for Passive Investors and it's available at www.rerxcourse.com.